When you live to ticket before you kick it, it's pretty important that you power your adventure with the right nutrition. Not just when you decide to take on the biggest physical and mental challenge of your life, like I did retracing the 1928 Tour de France, but also as a part of everyday living. Working overtime on a double shift, running the kids all over town to their sporting events, adding a few extra miles to your weekly hike, or getting sleep deprived with a hectic travel schedule. I'm proud to announce Bucket Nutrition is now an official sponsor of our podcast and just for you, giving a 10% discount on all Bucket Nutritional products. Go to Amazon.com and use promo code Bucket10, that's Bucket with an IT, 10, for a 10% discount on Bucket Nutritional products. Great tasting, high performance nutrition to help you take it before you kick it. I couldn't go back. You just put it out there. She said you've got less than a year to live. Bucket is the residue of design. Nobody else was doing it, so I couldn't. That was the turning point. Welcome to the Bucket Podcast with Phil Cogan. Every week I talk to mavericks, disruptors, and innovators. People who ditch the excuses, swerve off the predictable road, and epitomize what it means to ticket before you kick it. What I like to use is the word fear less right that i believe we can do we can fear less but we we can't can't live without fear we can't live without fear welcome to another episode of the bucket podcast bucket of course with an it just because we want to be different bucket as in just get out there and do it what are you waiting for uh it's a really a lifestyle about living life to the fullest and living life to the fullest while you can Swerving off that predictable road, you know that sometimes you take the easy course. And I guess what I really want to encourage you to do, and that's why I've got all these fantastic guests on the show, is encourage you to swerve off that predictable road. Go down the bumpy path. And you know what? If you get lost, it's not so bad. I've talked about the eight themes of Bucket. These themes all came to me because of looking at people's lifeless looking at all those lists i realized that there was some commonality and i put those lists into different themes i could see it very very clearly that they would all fit into these themes aim for the heart test your limits take a leap of faith rediscover your childhood shed your inhibitions break new ground get lost and something i want to talk about today which is face your fear now you might think why on earth would i want to face my fear well that's how you get things done. And it's only by being scared that to me, you will really make good changes in your life and do the things you really wanna do. Because quite frankly, a lot of the things we really wanna do are the things that we're most scared of. So try to scare yourself every day. And when I say that, I mean, if you're scared again of having a conversation with a stranger, push yourself to do something you haven't done before. Try to do that. Just try to scare yourself every day. The big thing with facing your fear is to take away the excuses. Ditch the excuses. It's so easy to come up with excuses. And I have met some master excuse makers. You know that whole 10,000 hour rule where you talk about doing something for 10,000 hours and becoming an expert? Well, I have met some expert excuse makers. And quite frankly, some of the excuses I've heard have really made me laugh because they are so good. I'm talking about master excuse makers. So 
you have to practice ditching the excuses, stopping yourself from coming up with obstacles that will get in your way of doing the things you really want to do. Again, put those 10,000 hours into being an optimist and you will become an optimist. We've all met those pessimists, those people who are just amazing at being a pessimist about what's wrong in the world. And with Bucket, I really want to encourage you to be thinking about what is right in the world. So facing your fear is a way to do that. And we've been really lucky to have some fantastic guests over the last year on the Bucket Podcast that have faced their fears head on. I love this quote from Eleanor Roosevelt who said, you gain strength, courage, and confidence by every experience in which you really stop and look fear in the face. You must do the things you think you cannot do. Just have a think about that because think about the things you really want to do and then ask yourself why you're not doing them. And I guarantee you a lot of it is because you're just scared, scared of failure, scared of embarrassment, scared that maybe you're not going to make something happen. But the only way you'll make something happen is to face that fear head on. And don't be scared of failure. Failure is not a bad thing. If you've ever read the book by Robert Greene, and he talks about the laws of human nature, or in, in his book also Mastery, he talks about facing fear head on. And he talks about the idea that when we fail, we're learning. Failure is a necessary path that we all have to take if we want to achieve things. So don't see failure as a negative thing. See that as part of learning. The hard yards you got to put in to make something happen. And I mentioned that over the last year, I've spoken to innovators, entrepreneurs, mavericks, disruptors, talking to people who have had pivotal moments in their life, pivotal moments that have swerved them to get off that predictable road and to shed their inhibitions, break new ground, face their fears, and so on. And that's something that I really want you to do. Gosh, I mean, just think, just think about being scared of sharks and then you get in the water with sharks and that's something that Paul DeGelder one of our guests did Uh, or think about somebody like Laird Hamilton a big wave surfer who says he's always scared when he goes out in the big waves but what makes him one of the best big wave surfers in the world is that he is prepared to go out there and face his fear head on and never conquer that wave but at least not be just not let it stop him from doing what he loves so much, which is getting out there to try to slay the big dragon, that big that big wave. You've got to know what your fear is. Uh, think about that and look at the things that you really want to do and say, am I scared of this? And acknowledging that fear is absolutely crucial to then figuring out how you're going to push back against that fear. I had a near-death experience. I'm claustrophobic. Uh, I got trapped in a, in a shipwreck and scared the hell out of me. And one of the first things I knew I had to do was go and face that fear. So I went to a place that, quite frankly, even just talking about it now, scares the hell out of me, which is diving the world's longest underwater caves. I deliberately put myself in a place that I knew would scare me more than anything else and really make me face that fear because 
it's not that that fear has gone away, but I wanted to let fear know that I was going to be in control of fear. It was not going to control me. So it's okay to be scared. Just don't worry about that. Fear can be paralyzing, but if we train ourselves to push back against fear, we can achieve the things we want to do. And we've heard that so many times from all our different guests. One of the guests that I've spoken to on the Bucket Podcast is Barry Kibrick, who hosts an Emmy Award-winning series on PBS called Between the Lines. He's been doing that now for 22 years and had some extraordinary guests, definitely worth listening to if you get a chance. And I love what he said about facing fear when he was a kid. I was always afraid. I was a New York City boy, and I was always afraid Which, of- Was it Brooklyn? I was Queens. Oh, Queens. Queens. Okay. Uh, I was always afraid of getting beaten up. And I literally realized I knew what to do. I, I loved football, mm -hmm. and I always knew that those big football linemen, they can't possibly be afraid. No. Of course, right? They're so strong. You're at least lining a, up against another big guy. And you're just going to hit each other forever. So I made a decision that I was going to play football no matter what. Mm -hmm. And I did. And I stuck it out for the full four years in high school. First, I wanted to quit. It was unbearable. But I stuck it out, and I got rid of that fear. But what I found out was the minute I did, another one seeped right in. I only thought I had that one little fear, and if I got rid of that, I'd be fearless. And then I realized you cannot be fearless. You're gonna always have something that's going to gnaw at you, make you, and I go, again, that's why we quest for it. Yeah. We, and what I like to use is the word fearless. Right. That I believe we can do. We can fear less, less but, but we, we can't, can't be live without fear. fear. We can't live without fear. I love that from Barry. You can't be fearless, but you can fear less. It's a good lesson. I'm not sure if you ever saw the film Broadcast News with Holly Hunter and William Hurt, but the character that Holly Hunter was playing was based on a real-life person, Susan Zarinsky, who is a powerhouse in news. And I spoke to her on the Bucket Podcast just before she became the CBS News president. If you ever have a chance to meet her, you'll just see how much incredible energy she has and a passion for storytelling. Uh, she traveled all over the world, no stranger to war and conflict. And here's what she said about being in dangerous situations. I live in scared. You live in scared. I, yes. Fear, yeah, can you explain fear. what you mean when you say you live in scared? I, I don't think there's a single day that I wake up that terrified is not in my first six words. And I get up very early because I like to work out early because you never know what the day is going to bring. I just, I think I live on the edge of fear because I'm never quite sure I have it. I'm never quite sure it's gonna work. I'm never quite sure of my own intellect. I'm never quite sure of the people who I have to convince to play with us and talk to us. I think living on the edge of fear is my motivator. Throughout my career, I've always found that when I'm scared, I'm generally doing the thing I should be doing. Because if you're not scared and it's comfortable, you're probably not pushing yourself to do something new and different or doing something that you really want to do. Being scared is good. 
being scared of going to a new city and starting a, a new job or making a career change and doing what you've always really wanted to do in life. Being scared is what drives you. Now imagine being scared of sharks and then you end up doing a job where you have to have contact with sharks. Sounds terrifying. And that's exactly what happened to Paul DeGelder. He's uh, an Australian who became an elite army paratrooper and five years later became this highly skilled clearance diver with the Australian Navy. Thing is, no amount of elite training could have prepared him for what he would encounter on a seemingly routine counter-terrorism training exercise. So he gets in the water there in Sydney Harbor and as he's moving through the water, he just has this feeling like, oh man, I hope there's no sharks around. He's thinking about being attacked by a shark and then it actually happens. He feels this massive hit at the back of his leg and he turns around and he sees this 600 pound bull shark, razor sharp teeth that's not only bitten into his leg but also has a piece of his arm. And then the shark bites down on him. It was in a place in Sydney Harbour where we had worked for decades. I've personally done jobs there for years. Um, this is February 2009. And uh, all, all we were doing that day was acting as uh, attack swimmers, pretending to be attack swimmers. And some uh, equipment that the R&D department of the military had created was trying to track us autonomously. So the goal was they could take it anywhere they wanted and it would automatically track the movements um, with video and with sonar under the water um, to stop you know, terrorists putting bombs on our ships. And so we were pretending to be the terrorists and um, I was the second guy in the water. Uh, the, the first guy just got out and we were in a little black inflatable boat we call a Zod or a Zodiac. And I had a black wetsuit on, just a, a thin two, three mil uh, and a pair of black fins. And I rolled over the Zod and I was just, I was doing what we call finning. I was on the surface on my back, just kicking my legs. You know, pretty easy day, just Sydney Harbour, coming to the end of summer so it's usually pretty warm it was pretty overcast and you know temperate that day and really wasn't thinking too much of the day uh, as I always did when I was in the water I was thinking about sharks uh, because I, I was deathly afraid of sharks um, and I was just thinking it was funny because when we get taught to fin when we're going through Navy diver training that we always have to do it with our arms crossed against over our chest but I like to feel the water. I like to have my hands in by my sides. And because I'm not going through training anymore, you know, I'm an actual clearance, so I can do whatever the hell I want. So I'm just swimming along. I've got my hands in the sides. And I'm just thinking, if a shark attacked me, where would I be best to have my hands? If I had them down by my side. You were thinking this on the day. Yeah. I was literally terrified of sharks. And being in Sydney Harbour, I, didn't, I wasn't diving. I didn't have a buddy diver. I'm on the surface, which is where most shark attacks happen. And so this is, for me, a... a, a you know, a scary sort of scenario but as usual i'm trying to put it to the back of my mind because i have a job to do but i've got nothing to think about because i don't really have a job um and so i think if i have my hands by my side and a shark grabs me what's going to happen and i'm thinking okay well it might grab my arm and my body and pin my arm to my side and then i i can only fight off with one hand and i put my arms across my chest 
And I thought, well, if it grabs me with my hands across my chest and it grabs my torso, then it'll get both my arms. And so I thought, okay, probably better by my side. And I, I put my hands down and instantly turned around to make sure that I was still headed in the right direction. And I got this massive whack in my side and it shocked me back to re what was going on. And I, I didn't really know, I didn't expect a shark because it didn't, it didn't hurt. It wasn't like 36 razor blades going into my leg. It was just a, a, a pressure, a very strong pressure. And so I turned around to look down and it actually took me a second to, to process what I was seeing because I'd never seen a dangerous shark before, let alone one that close to my face. And so I looked down and I just see this gigantic gray head and the lips are pulled back. I can see these teeth half embedded into my thigh, embedded into my wrist, one big black eye staring at me. And then my survival instincts kick in and I think I've, I've, I've got to fight back. And I'm thinking, Steve-O and Discovery Channel, Shark Week. And it just instantly goes, go for the eyeball. It is a little bit odd that someone who's deathly afraid of sharks would end up choosing a career as a diver where you're exposed to the possibility of a shark. But for Paul, you know, this tough Navy diver, he just loved the job. And for him, it was all about overcoming fear. And now he's facing his absolute worst nightmare. It's hard to describe pain. So imagine a bear trap and we all know how powerful they are and they've got those big steel spikes. Now imagine a bear trap with two rows of 36 razor blades and it, it slams shut as hard as a bear trap, but it doesn't just stay there, then it starts grinding against itself like chainsaws on either side of your body until it slices all the way through to meet in the middle. That's what, that's, that's what it was like, eight seconds of that. You know, it's not instantaneous, it's eight seconds of absolute, it's like a saw movie. And, and, and through the bone as well? Through, through the bones in my hand and through the whole of my hamstring. Um, didn't didn't hit the bone in my leg. It, it missed my femoral artery by a couple of millimeters. Uh, so I would have actually died if it had hit that. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm. The pain didn't kick in until it started to shake me. I start. I was trying to fight back. I was trying to push it off. And then it, you said you went for the eyes. I right? went for the eye, but I couldn't. I couldn't reach it because it had me by the back of the leg and I was maybe an inch away. My finger was an inch away from its eyeball. So I put my hand on its nose and tried to push it off but that just pushed the teeth of the lower jaw deeper into my leg. And so I, I cocked back to punch it, like, you know, punch it in the nose is what everyone tells you. But as soon as I started to do that, my blood must have drifted into its mouth. It must have realized that I could be eaten. And that's when it started to shake me. So all the power went out of my punch and it was totally ineffective. It took me underwater and the pain kicked in instantly. And I was in total agony. It, it brought me back to the surface. I took a quick gasp of air because I thought we were probably gonna go back down and we went straight back down and it just kept tearing me to pieces. And I was, I'm in agony. I, I'm totally terrified because this is my, my worst nightmare and I'm drowning at the same time. My, my lungs are starting to fill with water. I'm choking and after about six seconds, I accept the fact that I'm gonna die because there is nothing that I can do. You. You can't imagine what it's like to have a 600-pound animal made of muscle attached to you in, in an element that is not where you're supposed to be. You can't grab onto anything. You have no purchase. You're not on the ground. You, like, you're totally weightless. This thing has you at its mercy. And so all I could do was accept that I was going to die. I realized 
that I'm not, I remember thinking to myself, I'm not going home today. And so as soon as I actually accepted that, and, and it wasn't like time slowed down. It was like the adrenaline was making my brain work so fast. This is all in nanoseconds. This, my, my mind is thinking of all this stuff. And I think, am I ready to go? And I thought, well, I've lived 10 lives in these 31 years. I've done more than I could ever have perceived. And yeah, you know what? I, I don't mind. I'm okay. I'm gonna, if I'm going to die, I'm good with it. And so a, a calm washed over me and I was ready to just die. But the shark removed the hamstring, took my hand off, and it wasn't attached to me anymore. My wetsuit made me positively buoyant, so I popped to the surface and I realized I wasn't dead. The, the, the shark's tail splashed water in my face. I saw my safety boat and I thought, shit, I've got to get out of here before it comes back. So I started to swim towards my safety boat. You know, the, all the, the, the instinctual um, uh, flight or fight kicked in straight away. I, I, I wasn't feeling any pain at that point. The adrenaline was overriding that. Plus, I think the shark had ripped through the, oh, like 25 centimeters of my nerve. So I just couldn't even feel my leg. Uh, I didn't know what was wrong with it. I just couldn't feel it. So I start to swim, but my hand's gone. I just... It wasn't there. My arm ended at the end of my wetsuit. So the medical training kicked in and I'm thinking, okay, I've got to keep that wound above my heart to stem the bleeding. So I'm swimming with one hand and one leg back to the safety boat through a pool of my own blood. The guys said it was so thick they could actually taste it in the air when they were coming to grab me. Um, but I didn't even think I was going to make it. I had no, I, no belief that I was going to make it to that safety boat. I, I knew it was a bull shark. I thought in my head that bull sharks usually swim in packs. I'm bleeding profusely. This shark or another shark is going to come and grab me and I'm going to die. But I just kept swimming anyway because what else was I going to do? And thankfully, the guys in the safety boat got to me first. They, my body was in such a weird angle. They actually thought that I was snapped in half. Um, they grabbed me, one person grabbed me by the upper body, one by the lower body, just in case my body fell to pieces. They pulled me into the boat, laid me flat, and just out of the sheer relief of being safe and not eaten anymore, I, I passed out. And then everyone's training kicked in. They all, they all did exactly what was required of them to keep me alive uh, until the paramedics got there. And it was, it was insane. You know, uh, they, they stimulated my heart to wake me back up because they thought I was going into cardiac arrest. I got my priorities in order and I asked my buddy Tomo to look after my motorcycle. Uh, and then they started tying off tourniquets around my leg, heading towards the pier where my chief was and he took control. One of the guys had to stick his hand inside my leg and pinch closed an artery just to stop me from bleeding out. Um, so it was, a, it was a rough morning for more than just me. Amazingly, as soon as Paul recovered from the attack and the surgery, he then goes home and he starts training harder than he's ever trained in his life before. He said, I gotta get back to work. Yeah, the army taught me a lot of lessons. Um, and that was one of the first ones. Um, the improvise, adapt and overcome. Um, it, it stayed with me my whole career. And uh, we did use it occasionally throughout my career, but it really came into play after the shark attack or when I was trying to recover. Um, I was trying to learn how to live again being literally half the man that I was physically. Yeah. yeah, missing my hand and missing my leg and just trying to work out how to do things. So Paul does go back to work and for three years, he trained elite Navy divers. 
during this time, a lot of people wanted to hear his story. So he started talking at different events. Now, this is a guy who's not really into talking. He's not into public speaking at all. In fact, not something he ever imagined himself doing. He refused to do it in the beginning. But he thought, you know what? I'm going to give this a go. Again, I'm going to face my fear and I'm going to go and tackle this other fear that I have of public speaking. So he goes out there and he shares the story and suddenly he realizes that he has this ability to connect with people and that he really starts to like talking in front of people, something he never imagined himself doing. So here's a guy who's afraid of sharks, afraid of public speaking. It ends up being connected to both of those things. And he's so good at speaking that an opportunity comes up with the Discovery Channel. And you may know they have Shark Week every year. And they offer him an opportunity to work on air on the Discovery Channel. And he suddenly becomes this leading authority on sharks. And this shark that attacks him helps him then become more motivated to protecting our oceans and saving sharks. Just amazing. This is a guy who, when you meet him, looks you in the eye and says, who would have imagined that I would now be wanting to save sharks, those things that I was so scared of, and something that almost took my life. I think there's something Strange. that happens to you when you come that close to death. There's two ways you can go. You either curl up in a ball and you're afraid of everything, or you just realize that death's not something to be afraid of anymore. Because it's really not. I, I'm, I would never seek out death. I'm not trying to die. I'm not, I don't take um, risks outside of relative safety. But at the same time, I realize that there is a, death is not scary. It's just the start of another adventure. It, like When you're dead, you're not gonna care that you're dead. So live your life. And that, that is the most terrifying thing for me, not having a life that I can be proud of, a, a life of serving, a, a life of value and purpose. And that fears me more than dying. All right, you know what your homework is. Face your fear. Just one of the bucket themes, and I'm going to be exploring some of the other ones in future episodes. So I'd love to hear what's on your bucket list. Hopefully you have one. Hopefully the Bucket Podcast is motivating you to think about all the things you want to do in your life. Hopefully you've got a life list. You've, you know what you want to do. You know what you want to tick off before you kick the bucket. So if you go to philcogan.com, you'll see there on the homepage, it says, share your bucket list. So go there, share your list, and I'll tell you what, the bucket team will pick out their favorites and will send you some bucket nutritional products to try, something for your next adventure. Sound good? It's that easy. All right, well, as always, thanks very much for listening to the Bucket Podcast. Always great guests here. Hopefully we continue to motivate you. If there's anybody that you'd love us to talk to who you think epitomizes what the bucket philosophy is all about, then please let us know. Take it before you kick it. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. To see more great interviews, 
go to philcogan.com and subscribe to Bucket with Phil Kogan wherever you get your podcasts. Please consider rating and reviewing us. And follow Bucket, that's Bucket with an I-T, on Instagram and Facebook. Also, follow me on Twitter, at Phil Kogan. Today's podcast proudly brought to you by Bucket Nutrition. Great-tasting, high-performance nutrition to power your adventure. Don't forget to go to Amazon.com, search for Bucket Nutrition, and use promo code BUCKET10, that's Bucket with an I-T, and you'll get a 10% discount on all Bucket Nutritional products. Just wait until you try the Bucket Booster with Manuka Honey.